0: Warning, this episode contains some salty language by a couple of mystical pirates. If you have any young people around who might need earplugs, get them ready now. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy this episode of Inside the Universe.
1: Welcome. You are about to enter the
0: Universe. In
1: 2, 1, transport complete inside, a mystical, magical portal between worlds.
2: It delivers with so much generosity everything that you've made at this deep soul level.
1: Where playful curiosity leads the way and beyond. You really
3: see it and feel it with the rise of the light worker, the rise of power to connect with the universe. You
1: won't believe the ahas that come up in every single conversation. Homo luminous, what the shamans call it, the new human that's being born in the planet today. I can't wait to explore this enchanting space with you. Anyone listening to this show is a spirit junkie. (laughs) You are a spirit junkie if you're listening. If you are wooing out with us, you are a spirit junkie. Inside the Wooniverse, a podcast coming to you from the corner of Fringe and Maine. Hi there, and welcome to Inside the Wooniverse. I'm your host, Colette Barron-Reed, and with me today is the most awesome Colin Bedell, a queer Gemini twin from Long Island, New York. He is a passionate student of secular personal growth systems and the universal spiritual themes explored in A Course in Miracles. Colin is the weekly horoscope writer for Cosmopolitan.com and has three best-selling books, One is a little bit of astrology. Two, my absolute favorite is called Queer Cosmos, the Astrology of Queer Identities and Relationships, and Gemini. Well and Good magazine listed Colin as one of the most influential people in the wellness industry and as a 2020 innovator. Welcome, Colin. Colin's joining us from Italy today.
3: Yes, thank you, Colette. <laughs> it's such an honor <laughs> to <Buongiorno>. be here. Buongiorno. <laughs> Buongiorno. <laughs> 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 I know. Something like that. I'm learning. <laughs> uh, thank you. It's an honor to be here.
1: Oh, how's Italy treating you?
3: <sighs> Maravilloso. It's just... It's amazing. Honestly, it's been one miracle after the other, Colette. It's like this country has just completely taken me into its arms. I'm like... I'm still like... About the whole thing. It's amazing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're so <laughs> verklempt. I know.
3: I am. I'm very verklempt over here. I heard
1: Colin on another podcast with my good friend Deborah Silverman and I literally barraged him with emails. I knew I had to engage the queer cosmos inside the Wooniverse with us. It's such an honor. So listen, your book, and I, we will talk about more about your book later, but I told you this already, the introduction to your book made me cry. Mm. I mean, it was so profoundly intimate and mm. so beautiful. I mean, I've never heard anyone describe the queer experience and the difficulties and the potential liberation Mm. and Mm. love and joy in one spot (laughs) um, in a few pages. I literally sobbed when I read it. And because it also, you know, my I think I told you this, my best friend Doug had died a couple years ago and uh, he was very queer and he would have loved you. And I'm uh, sure
3: I would have loved him.
1: Oh, it was like you opened up a door back to him for me and remembering oh. just all these complexities and... Oh, so beautiful. Okay. Oh, thank
3: you for that. Don't make thank me cry. All right, let's no, go back I to the We're beginning. Both, we both have cancer in our chart. We'll cry the whole time. It's uh, okay. Go ahead.
1: What was your childhood like? You, you say you're a Gemini twin.
3: Oh, God. Speaking of crying right now. Yes, a Gemini twin <laughs> as I have the sweater here right now. Uh, born two minutes younger than my twin sister, Courtney, and I have a cancer mother, a Leo father, and I certainly didn't get out of childhood unscathed. I don't know who did, you know. There was certainly some financial and emotional traumas going there, but I really believe that my parents did what they could with the limited resources that they had. And uh, when I look back on my childhood, I'm deeply grateful and I feel a deep sense of responsibility for a lot of the things that my parents were able to do for me.
1: Oh, that's beautiful. When did you come out to yourself? Like, when did you really know that you were queer? Was it when you were little growing up? When was that?
3: Yeah, definitely when I was little. And I think that what happens for most people, I can't speak for all, but I think what happens is we realize there's something different and then the self-deception begins, Mm -hmm. right? And we all know the spirit the toxicity of so much self deception right and so it wasn't until I was sixteen where I felt a little bit more comfortable owning the fact that I was different and sharing it with my family. And interestingly mm-hmm. enough, that was the same year that my parents decided to move from Long Island, New York, to the Bible Belt in North Carolina. No. Yes, you <laughs> know there wasn't a gay or a Jew oh, in sight. Boy. No, I'm just kidding. There were a few gays <laughs> and there were a few Jews <laughs> up the street, like by and I mean twenty miles up the street. So it was a total culture <laughs> shock. My God. It's so funny. And so I came out there and it was definitely a challenge. This was 2005. So this was the Bush administration. This was the peak of the war of Iraq. It was a, yeah. But what was really powerful is that um, my family just said, okay, we wish you told us earlier because we probably wouldn't have moved here if you did, but we're here now, so we'll do the best we can. <laughs> and they just completely mobilized around me. And honestly, I have been truly loved and supported by them almost unconditionally ever since. Yeah.
1: Can I just say something about sure. what you just said? Please. Like they said, I wish you would come out sooner, we probably wouldn't have moved here. <laughs> yeah, so right. that shows me just how much they loved you. Oh uh, no truly. And recognize that the environment might be challenging there for you so that's beautiful
3: yes because I have a cancer mother Colette she was like honey you told me this now (laughs) like oh my god you know mama mia (laughs) um oi but she was just like (laughs) she was just said well we're here so we'll do the best we can and it was very funny so after I came out to her I told her mom I'm gonna I'll tell the family this she's such a cancer I was like I will tell the family I'll do it right she's like okay honey right The next day, she comes in, she practically kicked the door down off the hinges, right, very cardinal. She's like, honey, I know you told me not to tell anybody, but I called your uncles, your aunts, your godparents, your grandfather, your grandmother. I even told the people on the street, because I said, listen to me right now. If you have a problem with my gay son, you better tell me, because you're out. I was like, well, okay. (laughs) But I had to tell them first, because if they said something I didn't like, it would have been the last thing they said to me. Okay, and I was like, "All right, Ma, I love you. Thank you."
1: I'm in love with your mother, and oh, and I would have done the exact same thing. But I told everybody, and I said, "If you have a problem with my gay son, you know, you, you have, gonna have a problem. To go with through me, me.
3: exactly." <laughs> Thank cancer energy. Did
1: you discover astrology when you were there?
3: No, I actually discovered it a few years before. I would say maybe 11 or 12, so it was about four years prior. And speaking of my cancer mother, uh, I discovered it through her. Because she read Linda Goodman's Sun Signs in the uh, in the uh-huh. late seventies, early eighties, although it was published in nineteen sixty eight, I think, and she would just use it all around the house. Like she would just say things like, oh, "Well, you know, your Virgo grandmother, we got to call her early, otherwise, you know, she's not going to be happy if we don't have a plan, right?" And your Leo father, he's driving <laughs> me nuts, and I had no idea what she meant by this, <laughs> right? So I just Googled it. I distinctly remember the first day I ever went into like AOL.com, Google, G-E-M-I-N-I, and this rush of information found me. So I was 11 or 12. Wow. uh, Yeah. And then when I, back to the South and the funny kind of cultural idiosyncrasies there, I would ask people like, oh, what's your sign? And they would say, I'm a Christian, so we don't believe in that. I'm a Christian. That's my. (laughs) That's my sign.
2: That's my sign.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I was like, okay. God bless. God bless. I know. Uh...
1: Anyway. Oh, don't make me laugh. Sorry. So how did the discovery of astrology change you, if any?
3: Ooh. Well, it's, it, it really became the central theory that animated my book, We're Cosmos, is that it changed me as it gave a story and a template for who I can be aside from what shame thought I should be. And so we all deal with shame in some way. It's, it's psychologists call it the universal emotion. So we all feel a sense of unworthiness sometimes. Some have greater resilience around it, others struggle. And astrology changed my life by giving me this really beautiful, distinct technicolor proposal of who I can be apart from what a straight white male is supposed to be. And when it said, oh, you're a Gemini sun, so you can be a writer, storyteller, teacher, traveler, wanderer, I was like, I can? It gave me this grounded Capricorn moon. So it said, and you can also give people tough love if you need to. And I'm like, may I? Right? So it just gave me this beautiful permission slip to like be who I wanted to be and always just needed that gentle encouragement. And then when I started to feel more self-accepted in myself, my relationships, oh my God, the depth and the connection just went to beautiful places because I wasn't pretending, performing, people pleasing, hustling, striving, negotiating. I was just exactly who the fuck I am, you know?
1: You know what I liked about what you just said? You you declared a kind of technicolor permission slip. It made Mm. you more of what you could Uh, be. And you were no longer trying to define yourself as other than. And all of a sudden, astrology says, well, yeah, okay, that's fine. You're going to work that out. But guess what you could be? And you can be queer and all these things. Exactly. You don't have to be a cisgendered male, you know, to be these things. You can be you. And it does give you permission to be you. And I think you just opened a whole magical door. Oh, with this. Thank you. Okay, so how did you come to create the term Queer Cosmos? And what is it? What is, what it? is it? What, what is are is you that? talking about it? up there, What Gemini. is it? <laughs> right. no, What's so the Queer Cosmos? <laughs> it's, uh,
3: I came about it with uh, my best friend who helped me start the website. Her name is Christina Shinyi Mui, and she's a first-generation Chinese-American lesbian from Brooklyn, okay? So I was like, you know what we should do? We were like in our mid-20s, and I said, you know, we should really just start a website where we gather like all the things that have helped us, you know, make sense of personality personality relationships finances intimacy the whole thing and she was like i love it we should think about maybe calling it like queer something and i was like okay queer cosmos right and to queer is to question to evaluate to edit to audit certain things and so that's really what's been baked into the cake of my work is how do i question and queer every theory that i read and just say well okay certain astrologers say this, but what do clinicians say? What do marriage and family therapists have to put forward, right? So that's always sort of been my inquiry and access into these things is like, how do we make sure that this is true?
1: I love that. The inquiry piece that I love that you inquire, you have such a brilliant mind and you open it to everything and say, well, I'm not going to just take what you say, what else is said? And then, then can we come together somewhere in the middle and find the thread that, that's right. Fits for me. Exactly. You know, or fits for you because it's not all one size fits all.
3: No, it is not. You couldn't have said it any better. And I think, you know, sometimes not just astrologers, but a lot of seekers in personal development need to remember that, you know, as a, a function of critical intelligence is information from multiple sources.
1: Yes. I'm like you too. I, I question everything. I should drive my parents crazy. Why? Everything you Why? do. Why? <laughs> My dad would go, because I said so, because I said so. Because after a while, the the why-ing was like, why is it this way? Why couldn't it be that way? Why, 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 why? Yeah, I get Libra it.
3: Libra rising. I love it.
1: So let's talk a little bit more about Queer Cosmos. Sure. I mean, this obviously just grew grew and grew mm-hmm. and grew so quickly, you know, it, and it became something. So if you were to tell any of us, like how would we be able to approach astrology in a more inclusive way, which mm. is kind of the foundation of Queer Cosmos, Correct.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, how would we do that?
3: It's a great question. I think that we would actually start, this is relatively new, I didn't know this at the time, but I think that we would start by kind of having like a broad understanding of what social workers have to say related to strengths-based assessments. Wow. As opposed to deficit-based analysis, and a lot of astrologers can dance in that territory. Oh, your chart's missing this. You know what your chart doesn't have? And it's like, "Why I don't fucking care. Can you tell me what I do have? Like, come <laughs> on."
1: <laughs> you know, like that's right. Know. What
3: do I have? Hello, what strengths am I working with? Girl, help me. Right. I'm talking to you not to figure out what I don't yeah. have. Thank you so much. And so like strength based assessments, um, also power dynamics. What does it mean to have a healthy sense of generative power? And then I think that astrologers could benefit beautifully from just like a quick crash course on relational psychodynamics to make it more inclusive right. because they are approached on a wide range of life-defining decisions and behaviors. And I want to ask them when they speak with an astonishing level of expertise and certainty, uh, where did you get this information from and can I see your work cited page? Because if you're talking off the top of your head just because right. of what astrology says, I'm going to need you to expand your lexicon. Right. Okay. Ooh. And that's... <laughs> You're like, oh, drama. I love it. No, no, no!
1: I love you. <laughs> no. I love you. Because I really believe that the lexicon is too narrow for so many things. I think that our vocabulary is limited. I think language is limited. I think we need more words in the English language. Hello. I, yeah. I, Hello. I, <laughs> no, it's so true. And we have a limitation on the lexicon. And we, we must, if we are going to move into this new world, we have to expand it. Thank you. Right. We just need to add things. We don't need to no. shove things into anything and no. make it different. We just need more.
3: We need more. Yeah. And I think it was an Austrian philosopher, Ludwig Bentenstein, who said the limits of our language define the limits of our world.
1: Right. The limits of our language define the limits of our world. What I really got was the fact, and it was the big epiphany for me, is like, we need a broader language. We need to expand our language. Our entire society is dependent on that. And that is the biggest issue here. And and again, you really underlined that in your your body of work. Thank you. You're so welcome. So, how important is the application of psychology when it comes to astrological interpretations? Like, I'm a Jungian, oh, so beautiful. you know, I'm like all about that. Okay. Oh, yeah. And I love how you go with this, but I, I'd like you to expand a little bit more on that.
3: Sure. Well, I just full disclosure, not a clinician, never studied psychology academically or anything like that. I studied fashion and journalism at Parsons, the New School for Design. So <laughs> I don't know where I get off <laughs> thinking I can just talk about psychology sometimes, you know? But what's the, what's the purpose of that is because I believe that we are all looking for accurate personal insight. And if some people find that true through spiritual, secular, metaphysical sources like astrology, maravilloso, or if they're finding that through a therapist, a clinician, a social worker, a counselor, that's beautiful too. But I think what's beautiful about psychology and astrology is theoretically, they should be putting forward the same thing, which is the healing of the mind and accurate self-awareness. Right. So ultimately, it doesn't matter what language, what school of thought we're using. As long as we get to a, a space of inner peace and insight, more power to you. Go ahead. Yeah.
1: Uh, I love that. Well, I think they intersect. I think that's what I was, you know.
3: Oh, 100%. There's
1: an intersection between the two. I think there is a psychology to astrology.
2: Yes.
3: Right.
1: And yes. and so I laughed when you said, well, who am I to say that I'm r- And I r- studied fashion and design? Right. <laughs> But astrology has an innate spirituality yeah. and an innate psychology in terms of the way they describe the archetypes, the archetypal energies.
3: What makes me so happy is when um, I will have a marriage and family therapist or a doctor of clinical psychology on my Instagram. The Gottman Institute just started following me on Instagram. I was like, you have got to be kidding me. Woo, right? So, you know, I'm honored by that. <laughs> because I, I know because I, I love the integrative approaches where we can say, hey, marriage and family therapist and clinical clinical psychologist, what do you have? And they can say, hey, Colette and Colin, what about you witches? What are you offering here? Right? So we could kind of just provide what we share. And I just, (laughs) I love the cross collaboration. It's beautiful when it's done really well. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and that's what I really get from your work too, that it's, and you and you are very, very humble because you write like an academic <laughs> and uh, there's, wow. you cite everything. So I Absolutely. think, yeah, this is well-researched. It's well-researched. So, you know, you might say you're not a psychologist, but I saw all the citations, hello. <laughs> so I read them all. And so, yeah, okay. Let's just call that what it is. All right, let's talk about Course in Miracles, which yes. you and I shared together. Yes, um, yes. How have those teachings? Oh my gosh! How have they impacted the work you do?
3: It's in every corner, Colette. It's an, and now I have questions for you. It is in every corner because finding a Course in Miracles happened parallel with advancing my study into astrology in my early twenties, and uh, fortunately, speaking of other Jewish cancers who I love, Marianne Williamson was on Oprah, and I was like who is this woman talking about forgiveness and this and that? And Marianne is probably one of, if not the most successful teacher of the principles of a course. And I read her book, Return to Love and then her other books. And then I went to her lectures. I was just like, okay, it's time for me to do the study. Right. And, When I completed the workbook of A Course in Miracles, my life was completely different. I was working as an astrologer. I was living primarily with faith and vision. And I sort of went through my own, like almost baptism by fire, in a sense, to hold space for other people in this way. And it was A Course in Miracles that really helped me unlearn the dominant thought system based on fear and actually apply a thought system based on love, mercy, compassion, and forgiveness. And it just works every day for me. Yeah. How about you? How did you find it?
1: You know, almost identical to you, oh, really? yet, but many years prior. Okay. I okay. I, I think you were. I don't even know if you were born yet. <laughs> but anyway, um, but I got clean and sober 36 years ago, and the course was something that all of us got into in this small group of people I hung out with. So oh, we great. all took Course in Miracles at the same time as getting great. sober, at the same time as going to the Tibetan temple to learn meditation, and then to get swatted by the Zen temple people, which I didn't go back to, but a Course in Miracles was always adjacent. Then I also saw Marianne Williamson's book when it first came out because it came out I think in the late 80s. Mm. And I read I Return to Love, but she wasn't an Oprah at the time and there was no internet either. Yeah. <laughs> but I read the book and I was like, oh my God, oh my God, I want to be like this person. Yeah. Her, you know, Marianne Williamson was a huge impact on me too, just oh, like you. Oh wow. yes. yes.. And uh, I think it helped me love myself because I had so much shame. So, you know, getting clean and sober, I had a lot of shame and a lot of like a lot. I brought in a lot of baggage. And I think A Course in Miracles, that my Oracle cards, they all kind of shoved together with the 12 steps. And that's how I'm sitting here today. Seriously.
3: I believe it. And that's what it would call it. We each and every one of us have a highly individualized spiritual curriculum. Would you say, not to use the G word, but maybe we can, like, how has it helped you experience God.
1: I'm, it's okay to use a G word.
3: Okay. <laughs> okay, right. Yeah. How, yeah. You're interviewing how? me now. Okay, good. Yeah, on. right. <laughs> i long as it's it's brought the me uh? <laughs> Come on. Yeah, I know. Not to be that Gemini, but... It's
1: the Wooniverse. Exactly. <laughs> so I have no problem with the word God. I have a different vision of the word God. I was yeah. raised by the white guy in the sky who was yeah. angry and jealous and mean and nasty and the one that I thought, well, and mm. also very loving, thank you very much and giving right. me every reason to be alive, etc. But I also felt that that God was following me around with a fly swatter going, you're bad, (laughs) you know, slap. So I had to redefine my understanding of God. So I no longer see it as an old white man in the sky. Mm. I see it as a consciousness and it's beloved. It's loving and i had no problem with the christian language in that I, because i i also went to unity church which i loved so oh, cool. yeah. you know the concept of god became higher power then yep. became conscious universe so it's yeah. just interchangeable for me but it's yeah. no longer the monotheistic religious vision of that
3: yeah now that's beautiful i did
1: yeah. give god a new um a makeover <laughs> yeah a makeover i gave god a makeover <laughs> Oh my God, that's very
3: funny. (laughs) It's true, as a Libra rising one, Because God is joy and levity between friends. Like it's just here, you know, it's in these spaces. So that's beautiful. I'm so glad that you had that experience with it.
1: And what about you? Tell me about your experience.
3: Well, it really just... Interestingly enough, because she's been on my heart today, I lost a friend um, in a very freak accident back in 2017. So when you were telling me about your friend who you were just thinking of, I'm like, oh, isn't that interesting? And so she died just about two and a half months before my workbook was over for the first time. And she was from England. and She had this bright, beautiful purple hair. Right, And whenever she was in New York and people oh. would see her, they would say, oh, my God, we love your hair. So she was always known as this purple energy, right? <laughs> so then um, her family, because her funeral was technically in New York, so her British friends and family weren't able to have a funeral for her, they brought everybody to England, and they had a funeral for her on her birthday. And then at the end of the birthday party, Colette... Her father, unbeknownst to everybody, hired a like a pyrotechnic fireworks service, who then let off purple fireworks into the sky on oh, her birthday. I'm gonna cry. And it was in that moment, and I had just started to finish the workbook lesson, where when I was seeing the purple fireworks and I was listening to everybody sing "My Friend Happy Birthday," when like I felt the presence of God, and I was just like, I yeah. can't pretend I haven't felt this way. I can't act like I haven't experienced the state of grace. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I would have had the consciousness to really just inhabit that fully if it wasn't for the workbook. And now that it's in my heart and now that my friend is helping me and doing all of these things like i just live from deep faith i think deep faith in god and what my life has become yeah
1: i love that and it's so true it's deep faith it Uh, is it's so true and god doesn't know the boundaries that humanity has placed on each other right it doesn't god doesn't other anybody that's the one thing too that we are all we are all children. Yes, we that's are right. all the same. There is yes. no othering ever, no. ever, ever. And that's what I also felt. It was very important for me to know that early on. Beautiful. You do add such a spiritual component to astrology and a beautiful metaphorical lens. Um, were you always such a great storyteller?
2: I bet <laughs> you were. <laughs> I,
3: I, I don't know. I, maybe. I think I noticed when I was learning about astrology, Colette, that like something happened where like when my Gemini mouth would run, who knew people would listen? I'm like, <laughs> oh God. Who know. So maybe, uh, but I think that at, over time, I've started to really just kind of study the craft and, and practice it because um, I could tell that I have this Gemini Stellium for a reason. I might as well use it. Uh-huh. But I never really knew that growing up or anything like that. It's just sort of, it almost took me by surprise when my career started. <laughs> and now I'm just like, well, okay, I guess I got something to say. Here we go. Right? And then that's it.
1: <laughs> what I love about that, um, there was no human ambition that was directing this, and this is why I believe you were chosen for this. Oh, you know, wow. because you were just just now saying the story, like, "Oh, I didn't know." I mean, <laughs> oh, they must have listened. I guess I have, and I find myself here, and here I am, and like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> because same. you didn't go out looking for it, right? You were just basically saying, "Let me be who I'm supposed to be," and the next thing you know, boom, there you are on Cosmopolitan,
3: no less. <laughs> and you know what's crazy? <laughs> Colette, I'm <laughs> see. This is why I'm glad I'm talking to you because. If I shared this with any, like, business coach or, like, strategist, they'd be like, so you're telling me (laughs) you just fought to speak and talk and all of this happened? And I'm like, yeah, that's really, like, you're absolutely right. I had no (laughs) professional (laughs) ambition. I just said, okay, well, I was fired from this job. I've never been able to work for a successful space again or before, rather. Let me just start this astrology thing and see what happens. And then what was wild, Colette, is back to my friend, the day I was flying to England for her birthday was the day that Cosmo contacted me. Wow! And my website was only published and live for two months. How they two found, months and
1: two they called? Months. Oh wow! Come on now.
3: Yeah. And I was just like, sounds like she orchestrated that. Oh, you know it. And she's a Virgo. So they're always orchestrating, <laughs> aren't they? Okay. <laughs> orchestrating. Uh, yeah. Always behind <laughs> the scenes, pulling some strings. And, and that has been my life from the books to everything that the world would consider successful. I never even thought or put anything out there. I swear that's the God's honest truth. So I'm glad that that was present. And you know, I'm telling the truth.
1: And I, and I tell everybody that too, and I know it's so opposite to like the strategy, <laughs> which is don't worry about the form. Don't worry. Just feel the essence. Just say, Ooh. use me as Ooh. you will. Thy will be done through me. And it'll show up. And because I think we spend an inordinate amount of time chasing things, chasing the money, chasing what we look like, chasing the, mm-hmm. you know, the outer stuff when the bottom line is, is that we don't have to go chasing anything. It'll come. It will come. We do have to get up and leave. The, we can't be armchair astronauts, okay? Like we can't just sit there and go, hello. You know? I'm in space. <laughs> come right. and find me. Yeah. I'm in space. You know, where's the stars?
3: <laughs> I, love I love that expression. I love that expression. Yeah.
1: So what do you think everybody needs to know about astrology right now?
3: That's a great question. I think
1: that's a time has come that we, sh- we should have oh. it. Kids should be taught this in school.
3: Yeah, I know. Well, all of a sudden now my twin sister's open to it. I'm like, oh, are you? Because she specializes in child psychology and child development. And now she's like, okay, so I see what you mean about my daughter. I'm like, yeah, I told you she was a Virgo. So anyway, (laughs) and also to that point around um, the form. Of course, the Miracles talks about that. I'll answer your question about astrology, but I just wanted to say there was that relationship there that, of course, in Miracles talks about the distinction between content and form really beautifully and says that, you know, a lot of us are so preoccupied with the form and not the content of our work. Mm -hmm. And it would be akin to me saying, you know, I think I'm going to buy the picture frame before I buy the picture. And we're obsessed with the picture. frame, (laughs) And I'm like, okay, but what about the offerings? What about you're the, the yeah. loving intention by which you're excited about things. Don't worry about the picture frame and the content that the form that'll come later. Inhabit the content. You said mm-hmm. essence, same thing. So of course the course yeah. has something to say essence about that. Essence and content. Right? Similar Beautiful. words for the same thing. Yeah. yeah, I know. And it made me think of the picture frame metaphor. And I think what I would want people to know about astrology is actually, this is provocative, but <clears throat> I don't think it's a Good. belief system. Uh, yeah, right. Unpopular opinions. Here we go. <laughs> go
1: ahead, honey. Um, Be I know, come on, come
3: on, you can do it, baby. No, come on, so, we're
1: in the Wooniverse.
3: You go. <laughs> that's you true, go. and you you provide that space. I don't believe astrology is a belief system. I think it's an experience. So if people were to ask me, oh, you believe in astrology? You believe in that crap? I always say, no, I don't actually. I don't believe in astrology. I experience astrology.
0: Yeah.
3: I can't give you my experience, Johnny Salami. But what I can tell you is <laughs> if you think about it, apply it and try it, tell me that your life doesn't change in two to three weeks. And if you have those results and results of the ultimate guru, now whether or not we believe in things, okay, come back and see me. Uh-huh. Or I hope you find whatever it is that you find that gives you great insight, self-actualization and relational mm-hmm. health. But I'm pretty convinced and astrology works for me. And if you have something to say about that, all right. I'm all ears, but I doubt it. <laughs> Oh,
1: I love you! Oh my God, this is so (laughs) good. (laughs) Well, and I think what you just said, with it being experiential, because I agree. And people say, "I don't believe in that." I said, "Well, it's not about believing in it; experience it. It's experience that will tell you if something is true or not. It is not me telling you what it is. You just experience it for yourself. Integrate it. Does it feel right for you, etc. I mean, and it's so individual, even though that there are. You know the whole zodiac is of twelve, but there's so many Mm -hmm. different combinations that make up a person. So many millions of little tiny mathematical things. You guys got to know about, which I can't handle. (laughs) We all have our but it's the the minutiae. We all have our strengths. I know. Oh, my gosh. I used to be, well, my chart had to be rectified because I used to tell Deborah, our mutual friend, that my Virgo was broken because I I, because I had a Virgo rising. It didn't make any sense at all, my chart. And, of course, mm. it wasn't right because it was the wrong birth time. And I was like, what is this Virgo stuff? That is so not me. Oh, my
3: God. But I love that you knew. You were like, something doesn't add up That's
1: actually a really good example I just gave you of the experience of astrology because the experience that I had of what I was told was not right. Totally. But when my chart was rectified and Mm. I got the right birth time, Everything, the experience of who I was—I have to tell you this—it was like I heard angels singing. Aww. Like it's finally me. Like yes. it was. It was only yes. a couple of years ago that I had the chart redone. I'm like, wow. I said, wow. I'm like, I, this is wrong. This is so wrong. This just isn't this isn't working. Is <laughs> and then it was like,
3: this is so right. Uh, I'm so glad Libra found you. I'm so glad.
1: So would you like to pull a card with me and say like, what does sure. the universe want me Ooh. and Colin okay. to explore one more? Oh, the thinker in protection, overthinking.
3: Ooh. Ooh, okay, yeah. So ah,
1: <laughs> when do we over-intellectualize and how does that cut us off from our spiritual connection?
3: Well, let me spitball with you on this, okay? So I think that... Really, another way of saying overthinking is actually conspiracy theory writing. And what do I mean by that? So when we are confronted with an absence of information, right, and we're emotionally flammable or emotionally activated about a thing, we will latch on to about two to three data points and then write this extraordinary narrative rich with projection, fear, and assumption. And that's in social terminology called the definition of a conspiracy theory. And a lot of us, because we're overthinking, are actually just telling ourselves conspiracy theories. And we tell ourselves stories, live from these stories, show our ass from these stories. (laughs) When what we can do instead of overthinking is simply tell people, hey, can I just have a minute with you? The story I'm telling myself about why you said what you did or why you did what you did is because you're mad at me because of A, B, and C and one, two, three. Can you just fact check that for accuracy with me, please?
1: Just talk. Yeah. And that is so true. Is just talk. Yeah. I have a girlfriend. She and I do the same thing. We we don't talk for a while. We're both super busy. Of course. Are you mad at me? (laughs) And by the time we talk, we've both. Created a conspiracy theory, just like the way you said it in course. our heads, in
2: our heads, and right. that had
1: nothing, in fact, whatsoever. No. I'm like, oh my god, I can't believe you said that, right? We're and then we're both like, oh, we're so silly ha <laughs> ha, and right, we're both I cancers, do. right? So it's just very funny. <laughs> I but I want to, I want to further on that one. Do it because I really want to further on this conversation. Sure, because. What you said, bringing up the concept of conspiracy theory, it's more than the conspiracy theories that are in the news. It's what we do to ourselves. That if we are behind enemy lines, right, and we haven't connected to spirit, because the whole question was, like the the question is how do we stay in alignment with spirit and what else do we need Mm. to talk about? And it's this is what we have to watch out for. If we haven't begun our day plugged into our higher power, if we don't make our higher power our primary reality, we are more likely to get into conspiracy theories because that's when we go back into shame, blame, projection. What were the three things that you said? You said it so well. I don't remember what they were. Yeah,
3: no, you you, you nailed it. Fear, projection, assumption. Yeah, mm-hmm. shame. Right,
1: and all of us are being kind of invited into those, you know, dark clouds Mm -hmm. without them even having any reality to us. Like here, I want you to think this way and feel bad about yourself. No, no, I don't think so. I think I want to come back because I have a higher power and I believe that there is hope and I want to be the hope in the world. Therefore this stuff, this way of thinking, and it does take discipline. I think that's the thing. We do have to have some discipline.
3: We do have to have have some discipline. Oh, I couldn't agree more. And then when you and I met for the first time virtually with Deborah, we talked about our morning routines and how they help us and right. why we try to like plug in to do this work because it would be really difficult for us to keep our thoughts sober and our spirit high without a disciplined practice.
1: So tell me about yours.
3: Oh yeah, well, I just want to say for attribution, the uh, suggestion that I just had was Dr. Brené Brown. So that's her rising strong process, which is the story I'm telling myself. So if people are interested in that, please go to her literature. And my morning routine is, Wake up, uh, watch Marianne Williamson's interpretation of A Course in Miracles, right? She reads it out loud and then she talks about it. Meditate for about five to 10 minutes, three pages of morning pages around that. And then my day begins and I don't type, text, talk or anything to anybody in that space. I have my coffee on my right. I listen to music. I get into the zone and then my day begins when I'm finished on the third page. How about you?
1: (sighs) Almost the same, only I oh, have to feed out. my dogs. So, okay, now feed your uh, yeah, I have, to, I have three saw. dogs, so they yes. have to be fed first. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but I do pretty much the same thing. I actually also watch Marion Williamson. That's very funny.
3: Wow. Her
1: recent, I've signed up to her recent thing, and I find it. Um, you know, I take what I like, leave the rest. I'm, I'm not very political, so. Uh, but I love the Course in Miracles, etc. Um, I pray. So I do a prayer, I pull a card,
3: Nice.
1: I pull a card for the day and I ask, what do I need to reflect on today to stay in alignment with the highest good? And I always say the same prayer, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, wisdom to know the difference, relieve me of the bondage of self so that I may better do thy will, let there be light, thy will be done through me. It's a contemplative prayer. So I said it pretty quick, but I make sure that I ground in it and then actually, usually Mark and I meditate together, my husband and I, Aww. and for, for much longer. I meditate for half an hour.
3: Good for you. Um,
1: and then, but when they're, when we're shooting this podcast, I can't put the headphones on my head because it hurts too much. So I sit in my own office with the music blaring and I do it in there because I love to meditate to music. Okay. And then I'm good. Then I can text. Then I can talk. Yes. Then I can, I don't do it either. I don't talk to anybody until I'm done. And then I also paint. So oh. that's also part of my morning process. I paint. You you do your morning pages, I paint. Yes,
3: there we go. And whatever feels right for you and works. Yeah. Exactly.
1: And I do think that what you talked about, like you have a very distinct discipline and you are grounded because of that discipline. And I think that this card reminds all of us, we do need to have a spiritual practice in order for us not to be taken hostage by our own heads, right? <laughs> like I always say, well, I'm behind enemy lines if I'm thinking and I haven't meditated, right?
3: <laughs> And if I'm making lines, up a
1: story, right?
3: Oh, God, right? yes. I'm go making a
1: and also to have self-compassion, right? You have a lot of I self-compassion. Know. I think what I've learned about your book, I, Queer Cosmos is an invitation to compassion, I think.
2: Ooh.
3: That would make me very happy uh, to know that that's what the reader feels at the end of it. it, it, it compassion for self and others. Yes. Wow. Thank yeah. you. That would be my joy to know.
1: Yeah. That's what I felt. Because you give also such a multiplicity. It's like, it's like seeing a diamond, but you gave us 100 facets when normally we only got 10.
3: Oh.
1: Right? And it You're makes us understand me, each other better.
3: Oh, Yeah, that's, that you, would well, make you me did so it. Happy. I didn't do it. <laughs> you well, did it. i just happy. saying it. Be happy. You wrote it. Like <laughs> 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 it, would, it would
1: make you happy. Well, you're the oh, one that wrote it.
3: I <laughs> know. Uh, no, that's that's really just such an honor to read. Thank you.
1: So, I'm going to ask you a couple last questions. Sure. As we move into an uncertain future, what are some solutions that you might think about to some of the challenges?
3: Mm, Great question. And I love that you were like, what solutions? Um, Well, I believe that one of the most effective ways to have security and a solution-oriented approach is to actively clarify your two values Uh and situate what behavior supports the living into those values. I don't know a better path towards security than determining what are my two values, how do I operationalize this into observable behaviors, and how do I keep it moving. I haven't found it yet. Then that.
1: What are yours?
3: Autonomy and connection. And so you'll appreciate this because you're a new Libra rising. Okay. So Barry Johnson, he is the founder of the Polarity Institute. And he argues that if your values are not in polarity with each other, you're not holding the full paradox, which Carl Jung has said is the uh, only symbol that allows us to really understand truth. So a lot of our values could be like security and safety. No. Right. We need something like autonomy and connection or safety, reliability, discovery and adventure, privacy, vulnerability, innovation, stability. Right. And when you ground down on those values. I
1: hope you're writing a book on this.
3: (laughs) Oh, I haven't thought about this, but maybe I should because Taurus rules my career sector. And I do feel a deep Taurian connection here. But it all comes down to the values. And like Italy, as I'm coming at you live from here, this is a behavior in support of my value. I have always wanted to come here and stay here long. And yes, I love my family. So connection is a value. But I need to be here and I maintain my connection value by having basically daily check-ins with my twin sister and my mom just before they go to work. And I FaceTime them at the Piazza di Spagna so they can feel like they're in Italy with me. And there's autonomy and connection.
1: That's amazing. That is amazing.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I. You know, It is it only limited to two? Because I identified with four. I also identify with autonomy and connection. But then I also identify with the adventure I know. and the safety. That's the cancer. And then I also... kind. Of, there was six of them that I went for. <laughs> I was like, wait, which are mine? Are they, which are the two big ones?
3: I like them all. I'm going
1: to have to think about
3: this. Well, the literature says... Choose only two because that's the whole function of the assignment. Choose
1: only two.
3: If we choose more than two, Ooh, the, okay. the research says we don't even have priorities.
1: Oh, I get it. Yeah, right. Oh my right. God, I have to pick two now. <laughs> oh my Okay, well, I'll be thinking about this. Please I'll write you know. about my two afterwards. <laughs> yes, oh you my better. gosh. So, in your words and in your heart, what makes life worth living? Love. Yeah.
3: Just pardon them. I mean, just love in our hearts, love for the people who were in friendship and family connections with. I mean, it just, it, it's the alpha and the omega, isn't it? It really is.
1: Yep. Love makes the world go round,
3: doesn't yes, it? Yes, it does. Yeah, oh, yeah love.
1: We're going to take a little break now. And when we come back, we are going to switch gears and enter another dimension of the Wooniverse. We're going to go to the tea time after party. So please stay with us. We'll be right back. Okay, so now we're going to switch gears with a segment we're calling the Tea Time After Party, and it is brought to you by Magic Hour Teas. Magic Hour Teas are delicious. I drink them daily, and I even have a 10% off code for you. So for more information and for that code, you're going to want to go to itwpodcast.com forward slash tea. All right. So we are obviously still here with our fabulous Colin Bedell. And he's joining us for the after party with my executive producer, Connie Gilletti. Hey, Connie. Hey. Hello, 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 hello. (laughs) Okay, Colin, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. If you could have a magic power, what would it be and what would you use it for?
3: Wow. Probably telekinesis. Oh my God. I would love to move things with my mind. Yeah, that would be so cool. Oh, and and just because I'm a Gemini, I'm going to throw in an honorary mention. I would also love to, like, not control, but have regulation over the elements so that when I was mad, it could, like, thunder and rain. And, like, when I really wanted to make a statement, (laughs) like, the wind could blow, you know? That'd be so cool. And Storm, who is an X-Men, she was able to do that, and she's, like, a gay icon. The gays love Storm, and that's kind of, I guess, where it comes from, is that I wish I could just, like, Throw lightning at people if I'm mad. Yes.
1: Like mm-hmm. storm. Yes. I know storm rocked. I love the hair. <laughs> I want. I look so fabulous with white
3: hair. Oh yes, yes. Okay, you're gonna be storm next year for. Oh, come on, Libra rising. Oh, Serve that outfit, baby.
2: Yes. <laughs> 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 okay, if you could give a magic potion to society, what would it be, and what would you use it for?
3: Oh, irrefutably, I would give everybody the magic potion that makes them feel fundamentally worthy of love, joy, and belonging. Mm. End of discussion. Yes. I mean, and what what that could do to transform us socially, politically, economically, culturally, professionally, everything, just to make people feel like they're already worthy. That's what I would do. Mic drop. Yeah. What a question. <laughs> That's so, powerful.
1: <laughs> and I think it's because it changes everything. If every every single person feels worthy then there's no competition then there's no comparison there's no need to create or pretend and there's a willingness to share and it's you know the whole thing it would be amazing so let's uh let's all pray that Colin will indeed figure that out that magic potion It's got to be yeah. in Italy here we somewhere all need it, especially now. Yes.
3: I'm looking. I'll keep an eye <laughs> on <in> the facts.
1: <laughs> okay, I have a fun question. You meet an extraterrestrial. You meet an ET. They are deciding to move here. Okay, mm-hmm. they've come to you, and you mm-hmm. are you are going to be their travel companion. Okay, what would you tell them about living
2: on Earth? Oh,
3: God. I'm gonna I'm gonna sound like a social worker here, but that believe it or not, ETs. People are doing the best they can with the tools that they have, with where they're at. So look upon them, not with judgment and blame, because, my God, it'd be so easy, but just compassion and understanding. And maybe you can help skill build them to raise their uh, behaviors and resource level. Whoa. <laughs> the Gemini, you know I'm going to be there. Oh,
2: my God. Hi, hello. You need hello. to be What's there, the Colin. Where are you coming
3: from? Oh, my God. You look so great. What time are you born? <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> okay, so what is your favorite subject to go down the rabbit hole in?
3: Ooh, ooh. okay. So recently, I'll be honest with you, I think because the South Node is in Scorpio, so I'm learning about some Scorpio rule themes like uh, suspicion, uh, mistrust, abuses of power. I have been hooked, like the rest of the world, with like other people's cons and how they get away with it. Yeah. And, Oh, my God, yeah. Like, I just watched one yesterday about uh, an an Australian influencer who faked that she had a brain tumor for five years. I never heard of this woman. And, oh, my God, yeah, 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 yeah. So there's just... And I feel compassion for them, I really do, believe it or not. But I've just been really curious about, like why people lie, how they self-deceive, how we believe them. Mm. I'm not proud of that, but I am just curious. And I'm just learning a great deal about the human condition and and actually how most do lead with trust. They don't lead with suspicion. It's kind of blowing me away.
1: Look
2: at a Tinder swindler.
3: Hello, another Did you ever see that on Netflix? Oh, my goodness. That's where it all started. And then Anna Delvey inventing Anna.
2: Yeah. The Fire Festival. Did you get there?
3: Oh, gosh, of course. (laughs) There's a real trend now. And I'm just... I'm fascinated by this. Yeah. And then I'm fascinated by how people who are online like us have to be really careful about what we say, who we connect mm-hmm. with, how we fact checked, how we do our due diligence. Oh, yep. so that's what it's bringing out for me is like, let me refresh on journalism ethics, you know? <laughs> but it's true, you know? Like, because leave it to the journalists who figured this all out
1: we are all seeing it right now for a reason like i think yeah. it's interesting that it's in the zeitgeist that we're looking at how we manipulate other people how we how other people can be manipulated or i how i can be i'm a, i'm ridiculously trusting i'm like oh if you, you have to literally prove me yeah cuz i will even stick up for you until i realize oh my god you've been lying like <laughs> because <laughs> i'm like too. I, I am. I'm I, I'm no longer dupable as like I was. But, you know, I always believe like go with your best feelings first, you know, mm. feel give everybody the benefit of a doubt. But people are complicated. Like there there's a very strange complexity out there of bending reality, you know, because words are powerful. You know, yes. words cast spells is what our friend Abiola, you know, said in one of the interviews that we did. It's like we're all spellcasters. So when we start to weave these webs of deceit, it's it's really damaging. It's really, really damaging.
3: It is. That was yeah. a beautiful wow. um, okay. through line, Colette, by the way. That was really beautifully like summarized and articulated. Way to go. Oh, gosh.
2: Love hanging out with <laughs> That's you. our girl, right? That's our girl. Colin, <laughs> yeah.
3: Colette, and Connie. <laughs> I love great, the 3C right? show. Here we so go. <laughs> That's our
2: girl. She's amazing. She's amazing. Okay. <laughs>
1: Oh, I have a, I have a good one. You have to spend $10,000 in an hour. Oh, yeah. In okay, one hour. <laughs> what would you spend it on?
3: Oh, God. Okay, so the Leo Horizon is going to come out here, all right? But I would skip right across the street, go straight to Versace, not Versace, because they get very mad about that. I would get all the gaudiest Italian fashion I could just go to town. Just gaudy, gaudy, gaudy. Versace such uh-huh. reference. <laughs> it's gaudy in an
2: hour. I love it. <laughs> in an hour, you could do that probably in 10 minutes. Oh, I
3: know. Oh, God, I really would, though.
2: I have another question. Sure. Okay, wearing these clothes,
1: if you yes. could live in any sitcom, which one would it be and why?
3: Ooh, sitcom. Oh, irrefutably, the one. this totally just came out of left field. But probably Everybody Loves Raymond. Do you guys remember that? No. Yes. I mean, That's Raymond. That Long Island family with the grandmother who li- Marie, Marie Baron. Yes. And so, like that, that was my life, you guys. I swear to God, of just like families fighting over nothing all day long. And I would want to be the gay astrologer that just needed everybody's time of birth. But I would totally fit into like the everybody loves Raymond <laughs> e- energy. I think that'd be really fun. Or King of Queens, but probably everybody loves Raymond. Mm-hmm.
1: Um. Do you sleep with or without socks? I don't
3: know why we have this question here, but I'm going to ask you that. No, because I went on speaking of Barone. Tell me why an Italian boy with the last name Barone has been in my bed the last month. And I don't care what the (laughs) world knows. Yeah, Colette, it happened just like you said it would. And he got very upset that I didn't sleep with socks. I swear to God. And I said, because I I, didn't swear to God, yes. He didn't understand. He thought it was weird. I was like, mind your business and wow. let me go to bed, you know? So I'm a no sock boy. I'm a no sock You're boy. I swear to God, we just <laughs> got into an argument about when this. When
1: Connie and I were creating the questions, we were like, well, this, why are we doing it? Because we Connie's one of the most intuitive people I've ever met, by the way, also. So she does incredible readings. even
3: wow. She's
1: a executive producer. She's a woman of many talents. Hey. But yeah, so she like was <laughs> like, you,
2: why Colin. are we asking him that question? And now we know why. <laughs> the question's come. Yeah, because he looked,
3: Dumbfounded. Your higher
2: self gave me yes, the questions,
3: so I could tell him, like, <laughs> this isn't. A, this is not a political party. It's just out of its style, and I just want to sleep with my socks off and go to bed, Camilo. Okay.
2: Okay. I have a question, Colin. What is the story of your first crush? Ooh. Okay, okay, okay. Your very
3: first crush. I'll go with the male crush, right? Because at the time, I didn't know that, like, I, I did have girl crushes. So I just wanted those girls to be my friends. Like, I wanted to be them kind of thing. And my gay ass didn't know that, oh. you know, it was yeah. really just because I wanted yeah. to be them. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I actually really loved a Taurus boy named um, Alan. Alan Davidson. And um, I had a crush on him because actually I got into a verbal fight with him first. <laughs> because it was oh. a whole thing. I know. So Gemini, Right. I heard him talking about me and I heard him say my name. So naturally I assumed he's talking shit. So I went right up to him and I said, I don't want to hear my name coming out of your mouth acting like a tough guy, right? And he was like, what? I was just complimenting you. I said you were cute and I was like, oh. Okay, well I gotta go. And then- <laughs> and, then, and then we, like, actually <laughs> built a nice high school dynamic off of that. And he was my first big crush. He wasn't my first love. I fell in love with an Italian Ecuadorian named Julio Giovanni Alvarez a year later. Duh. But Alan was my first crush. And it all started because I wow. almost punched him in the throat.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to switch it up a little bit. Um Connie, what else do you got
2: for him? I have a question that's like, so when you were just getting started and researching astrology and you discovered, you know, you go to Gemini, you're a Gemini, you're starting to look at all the aspects and you start seeing, you know, all the amazing aspects. Like they always say, oh, look at all these wonderful things that you are. Then they're like, oh, this is your shadow side. Yes. <laughs> and then you're like, no, no, no. Which one of those things were you the most repelled by when you first saw it? But then you came to, say, really embrace it afterwards. Like, actually... Yeah, I am. And it's okay. That's a great question.
3: (laughs) Wow. Yeah, implicit in your question too, Connie, is the fact that like a lot of astrologers are confronted with the fact of like, do we highlight what is strong? Do we highlight possible challenges and blind spots, right? I do take the stance and so do um, strengths-based social workers that we're supposed to highlight what is strong over what is wrong because it empowers them in a way that really no other context can. So what I initially... Um, felt a little like, oh, God, is that an issue? Was just around, like, the ability to change my mind and, you know, be fickle. Uh, But then when I saw that Ralph Waldo Emerson, another Gemini, said that foolish consistency is the hobgoblin of little minds, I was like, all right, Ralph, isn't that good? Oh, (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) I'm
2: picking up what you're putting down,
3: Ralph. (laughs) Oh, you (laughs) salty minks. Yeah. So I'm just running with, <laughs> I'm just running with, yeah, I, I don't want to be that. the person who believes in foolish consistency and like, God forbid, I changed my mind, you know? So that's definitely something that now I look at as a strength, but of course, you know, let's regulate it. If I did agree to something, then I really want to commit and follow through. But I love that Gemini quality of like, well, so what? I said it yesterday. I was a different person yesterday. You're not? That's weird. You
1: know? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have Venus and Gemini, so I relate. And I want to know who inspires you and why? Ooh,
3: that's a great question. I have been really moved by an author named Nedra Tawab. And so she's phenomenal. She's a Charlotte based uh, therapist and she's wrote wonderful books on boundaries. And she has these things that she shares based on uh, relationships and mental health on her Instagram called Nedra Nuggets. Oh my gosh. And she has such an amazing ability to make really complicated psychological things very accessible, very entertaining in a way, and just so applied. And I just love that she almost challenges my work to go simpler, if that makes sense, right? Like, don't put mustard and sprinkles on it. Stick with one point.
1: I find that's very hard. What you just said, yeah, like oh to keep God. it simple. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh, because yeah. I I like to explode into complexities yeah. because it's interesting. <laughs> I know. You know, it's it more is. interesting. Like, yeah, like squirrel. Boom, boom, it boom. Is. Yeah, but I get it. I know. I have a phenomenal person that we work with at my school at Oracle School. Um, Anna Sather runs the school with me. And she's the headmistress of magic and transformation, yes. And she's been so phenomenal keeping me like, you know, one point at a time, yes. <laughs> like one point going, yes. And we can talk about this point. Yes, Yeah. So everybody needs an Anna.
3: Oh, we do. And everybody needs an Edra. apparently. An yeah. Just these one points because I, yes, think we f-
1: apparently,
2: exactly. yeah,
3: I think we forget that people's um, access to this information, you know, is at the entry level. And so like the first point is, yeah. is already a lot for them. And then when we add on. And I think there's beauty to that because it also reminds us that so much of the content that we put out actually should be incomplete. We're meant to have a continued conversation with people. We don't need to put in every point.
1: No, but it's great though to encourage people to learn and Mm. to follow the crumbs. But you're Mm. right. You can't have all the whole conversation in a 10-minute Instagram post for sure.
3: I, I like to make like maybe two points in Gemini fashion like this plus this equals... You know, um, but I think that especially right. with where we're at in our work, we have to be really careful, Colette, to like remind people that nothing is new under the sun, and it should be celebrated to point people back to right. original sources.
1: I think so too. I, I like that too. There is no new age either. This is all old. All old. All this is old, just repackaged.
3: Well, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So, what would we call new age then? Like, it's nineteen sixty nine to nineteen seventy four. What would that? What is the new age? What was it?
1: I think people suggest new age is the concept of like new thought and all these, you know, the resurgence of of these different spiritual paths, et cetera, yeah. Yeah. That, that that lump all in, even with pseudoscience and things like that, where everything is kind of lumped into this blob, right, <laughs> that I think really started in the 80s. But a bit, I think the initiation of it was really at the turn of the century when you think about it with theosophy and you know, and then going into the 20s. Oh, that's a good point. Right? So it's really been through since the industrial revolution that we've actually had this new renaissance of spiritual thoughts, you know, spiritual thinking and in a way that now brings in materialism. And now we're we're going back the other way. I mean, we won't, we're not going to have this whole conversation (laughs) right
3: now, but, you know, when you
1: think about it, like all the different threads, everything is connected. Uh, Ideas are innovated. You know, we have to apply whatever it is that we've learned to the society that we have now. So that's why I always like to innovate the, you know, like the original divination systems. It's like, well, this doesn't really apply to our society right now, but what mm. could, how Ooh. could we, how could we shape it? And and how could we be the shapers and not just the shaped, you I know, which it. is what happens and you do that too with your astrology like that that you teach people how to be the shapers not just the
3: shape we're
1: shaped by the stars in many respects but then what do we do with that
3: information oh wow that was that felt really beautiful to hear that validated thank you so much Colette because I didn't even think of it in that way but I think that's what I do try to do is like give people a strong foundation but maintain flexible interpretation
1: yeah and with some humor too which makes it very palatable I think you're one of the best ones out there that talks about this stuff oh I'm
3: so honored by this
1: Well, thank you so much for being with us today. This was awesome. You can all read Colin's weekly horoscope on cosmopolitan.com and you can find Colin on Instagram under the handle Queer Cosmos, all one word. And his book, Queer Cosmos, is fantastic. Thank you so much, Colin. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
3: Thank you. Thank you. It was fun. Joy to be here always. Always (laughs) so much fun. Thank you for the thoughtful questions and the space holding. This was such a joy. I'm so happy. Thank you.
1: You know, when I asked this question, which I do every podcast, what did we learn? I learned so much. I don't even know what to say. So I decided that I would pull another card, this time from The Shaman's Dream. And I pulled the galactic mushroom, which is all about the divine matrix. The matrix of consciousness, called Source or God, Spirit, many other names, is intricately woven into life. There's so much complexities that the human mind cannot comprehend all the moving parts of the cosmos. It's impossible to see beyond what you already know, just as the head of a mushroom is clearly visible above the soil, but not the living biome below the thread-like mycelium of fungi form vast, intricate networks underground connecting different life forms with one another in a kind of internet of the plant kingdom. So imagine the divine matrix serving the same way, connecting the individual consciousness with that of the divine, which is really what Colin was talking about, about astrology and everything that we're all going through and how we're connected. So this is a call right now for faith and trust. Whatever intention you hold consistently with hope and faith, first manifests in the unseen realms, in the cosmos. Whether or not you can see it working on your behalf, eventually you see the evidence play out in the serendipitous events that work in your favor, seemingly outside of the law of cause and effect. Your most beautiful results are being birthed right now, even if you can't see them, and not just for you, but for the highest good of all. I'm Colette Baron reed until next time, be well. Time to share the way we love Become the ones we're dreaming of
0: You've been listening to Inside the Wooniverse with Colette baron reed This episode was recorded at Universal Network Studio by Chris Dupuis. A special thanks to our executive producer, Connie DeLetti, and our producer and story editor, Julie Fink. Audio post and supervision by Michael Seifert and David Shaw at Sumo Recording. Original music written and performed by Michael Seifert. Original music, Truth Begins, by Colette Baron reed and Eric Ross. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts or leave us a rating on our Spotify show page. If you have a question about something you've heard here today for Colette, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at podcast at colettebaronreid.com and your question could appear on a future episode. If you love what you've heard here today, we have so much more to offer. You can access our bonus content, keep up to date with new episode releases, featured guests, and prize giveaways, all by clicking on the link in our description or by visiting us at itwpodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you join us next time Inside the Wooniverse, a podcast brought to you from the corner of Fringe and Maine.